Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Forgiving College Debt. Special coverage with Dave Dijanovic. We're supposed to be getting a live report from Washington, D.C. Uh, to see what the fallout is or the scuttle is after yesterday's uh, Supreme Court hearing regarding President Biden's student loan debt, student loan forgiveness program. You weren't here yesterday. You conveniently had the day off. We talked a lot about this because the oral arguments were being heard. Um, the, the Taylor Morgan, who filled in for you yesterday, I asked him what he thought the chances were that this would be held by the Supreme Court. He's like, not a chance. Not a chance. So he felt very much the same way as I do. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's good. He, he did some good proxy work for me. Uh, is Ann Flattery on the line? Okay, we don't have ABC News on the line. So I want to skip ahead because we do have another guest holding on the line, and that's our state auditor, John Dougal. And, and my question is, how do kids uh, afford the price of college without a student loan? But I want to back that up. Um, Auditor Dougal, um, my concern is, is that as parents, at least I'll just take my experience, when we go to the tuition calculators online um, or to the college websites in Utah and we see that tuition is $9,300 a year, I mean, my eyes definitely pop out at that. But that is not the true cost. It's so much more than that. And so how can we help our guide our kids if we don't know the actual cost. And I know you've done a lot of work in this area. It is great to be with you too. And Debbie, you're absolutely right. You look at that number that you saw and you look and say for a four-year degree, that's about $40,000 for that four-year degree. But that's just tuition. There are fees. And if you look at the University of Utah, you talked about $4,800 per semester you've got another almost $600 in fees that go on top of that that every student must pay. Per what semester? What we call mandatory fees. Per semester. Yeah. So, so you look and you start adding that up, and, and it just gets more and more. And then when you look and say only 35% of students in Utah graduate on time, you're going to have another upwards of almost 40% that are going to take an extra year and you start adding that number on, and now you're talking about $54,000 a year. And if you're somebody that takes six years, that's $65,000. And that's well beyond what you thought you were getting into when your kid went to college. Well, I think ultimately, whenever I'm having this conversation with my kids, who, who a couple of them are going to college right now, uh, you have to take into account lost wages, you know, opportunities missed, you know, 
what does it look like six years down the road, the degree you're getting in? And if you changed majors, I, it, there's so much that goes into this. I think ultimately we're trying to figure out what's my return on investment. And we're trying to boil it down to a number. And it, there's, there's just not a good way to boil that number down. Well, and, and, and Dave, you're right. It's hard to find that kind of number. And too often, uh, students don't really think about that number. Too often, society has said, whatever the cost of college is, it'll pay off in the end. And we're seeing that is not the case for many students. And so we're seeing students take on debt. And uh, like you said, opportunity costs are foregoing a job uh, to get a college degree that then doesn't provide for them. And they drop out along the way and they incur all these costs and they think they're a failure rather than seeing the success because they've considered Here's what I'm going to get based on that degree. I want to I want to touch on this too about the cost the tuition that's posted online compared to the what ends up being the actual retail value that you end up paying out at the end and it doesn't favor students. It's a lot more than this for example I'm going to hit on my daughter's college degree at the University of Utah. Um when I see $9,300 per year, I say, I wish. That must be for a lesser, complicated, complex degree than the pre, you know, pre-med program that she's enrolled in because we paid $4,500 just a few weeks ago for a couple of classes in the lab. And that's not even a full load. So I'm looking, if I was paying for a full load for Katie, uh, we're looking more at maybe ten or... $12,000 in a semester. Yeah. Well, Dave's eyes just fell out course, of his head. Yeah. 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 And you're talking course fees and then textbooks yeah, on top of that. And so, all John, how do we fix else. this? Yeah. How do we fix this so students know how much of a loan they have to take out or how much of a scholarship they have to, to go begging for or, or how, you know, how much birthday money they have to save? How does the state of Utah fix this? And as the state auditor, I know you've had to have had conversations now that you know about your research, this is this is where the public needs to get more engaged, and if you will, put political pressure on the system of higher education, to you know the board of higher ed, the commissioner's office, and and each of the institutions, because I think too often the message they're getting is, well, either the students will pay, the taxpayers will pay. There's unfortunately not a good discussion about how do we rein in the costs and even cut the costs of higher ed. Um, too often when you hear things about cutting the cost, what that really means is the taxpayers pay more. It's not truly cutting the total cost of, of higher ed. And unfortunately, we have a system which the incentives are misaligned. The longer a student takes to get through, universities are funded based on headcount, typically. And so the most, more students that are there, the more money they get, whether it's from the taxpayers or from the students. And the slower the students go through, unfortunately, the more money they get from those students. Their incentive is not to say, how quickly do we graduate the students with a qualified degree and get them out earning money? State Auditor John Dougal, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for that, John. And universities, colleges, they're in a terrible position, right, Debbie? Because if they if they spell all of this out on their website and they talk about opportunity lost uh, and return on investment, it's almost like you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. You know, if you're a business, you run your business, you make your best pitch you can, and then it's your job as the consumer to do your homework. And I think we have to put that weight on our own shoulders as well. 
we have to do some research. Well, but when I go to the website, and as you did, yeah, as you go to this times. website and you type in the cost calculator and the estimator. Yeah, it's not even close. And you're not even in the ballpark. So, so let me help future students do their research. It's not even close. It is not even close. I want to get to Washington, D.C. We got Ann Flattery, a senior national policy reporter with ABC News, standing by live to give us uh, her take on the Supreme Court arguments and, and, what's, and, and what the fallout is uh, for the Biden administration. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Yeah, we heard yesterday from the Supreme Court, the conservative majority appeared very skeptical that the White House plan is legal, uh, at least without approval from Congress. They said that the sheer scope and size of this program, costing the government nearly half a trillion dollars, probably should be approved by Congress first. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas was talking about paying off his own student loans and calling this effectively a grant that needed to be decided by Congress. Now, the flip argument to that is that you know, I heard you guys talking before the college tuition has soared dramatically since the days that he was in school. It's up 300 percent in the past 50 years. So the government saying they're sure that they have the power to do this. They think this is within their authorities. Uh, the Supreme Court conservative justices not being so sure. Is there any hope for uh, kids that were pretty excited about this announcement or does this just seem uh, dead in the water? Well, of course, the Supreme Court's not going to make their decision until June. Um, And I know that advocates have been meeting privately with the White House and pressing them to say, hey, come up with a plan B. But the White House says so far that they don't, that they're putting all their eggs in this basket. Now, there is one issue that's kind of come up in the Supreme Court, which is that do Republicans have standing in this case? You, You can't just sue and say, well, I think something's unfair. Uh, people would be suing all the time. You have to actually prove that you've somehow been injured. So there is this question of standing. Do, do the Republicans, can they prove actual injury to their states if this loan forgiveness program goes through? And that is still in question. And Flaherty, thank you for joining us, senior national policy reporter out of ABC News. And Debbie, going back to this standing point, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do know, uh, as I've done some of my research in this, um, that the the strongest standing argument is really coming from the states, states that are stepping in and saying we are the ones that are being wronged, um, not the individual person or the student oh, that may have taken upon these these roles. So it, it's really the states that are driving this as far as standing goes. Straight ahead, let's let's get with the financial aid director at Utah Valley University. I think this uh, calls into question. Can you afford to pay for college without taking out a student loan and without coming out of pocket, which could be $100,000? I mean, we just did the math between housing costs and the actual retail value of that degree. Once you get done paying for it, it could cost you $100,000. But are there alternatives? Uh, We're going to ask him what those are. Forgiving College Debt. Special coverage with Dave Dijanovic. We just made an excellent case. Uh, the cost of college that is uh, advertised uh, on websites, college websites across Utah, it does not end up being the actual out of... A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. 
I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pocket costage you end up spending. So it's My experience is, is a lot more money than that. So the next uh, question we're going to ask is, is there a way to pay for college that doesn't you know, create a situation where you're in student loan debt forever and ever. Can you do it like we used to do it with, without a loan? Pay as you go. Pay as you go, save up, work hard in the summer, which is what I did. Worked hard in the summer, saved up, paid for my tuition throughout the year. Can you still do that? And I look at the cost and, and um, what did our last interview uh, say? The tuition costs have raised 300% yeah, over the, the last 50 years. I mean that's incredible. Yeah, and certainly our, our wages haven't gone up three hundred. percent So if your if your son or daughter is living outside the home, they estimate that's fifteen thousand a year for off campus living expenses. That's food and um, you know the roof over their head. Uh, tuition they put it, for example, at the U of U ninety three hundred dollars. I think that's certainly degree dependent, program dependent. It's a lot. My experience is it's a lot more than that. That number is an I wish number when we actually get the tuition bill. So if you're going to do this on your own, I would say it's if you do a four-year plan, which a lot of people, you can't. You just can't do it anymore four years if, at that at that price if you're working your way through it. You got to plan on $25,000 a year to live off campus and pay for tuition and fees. $25,000 a year is what you have to earn. But that doesn't even include the cost of a car, the cost of the car breaking down, uh, a medical expense that pops up. That is just to fund your living expenses, bare bones, and attend classes. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's difficult for the schools to come up with a an exact number mm-hmm. because Every degree is different. How long it takes for you to finish uh, the school or your schooling. Is it four years? Is it five years? Is it six years? Did you drop out for a semester? I mean, there's so many things that play into it. John Curl is the director of financial aid and scholarships at Utah Valley University. And you've been so helpful with information in the past. We're glad to have you back on the line with us, John. Thank you. So give us an avenue to pay for college uh, that do, for a four-year degree that does not require a student loan and mom and dad footing the whole bill. <laughs> Can you walk us through options? Sure. I, I, I think there's some strategies. I, I, I don't know that there's a particular thing that's just a silver bullet and solves everything, but I think there's some strategies. Um, I, I think it probably begins with maybe a college savings program like a, a 529 plan. State of Utah has a has a good program, but there's others out there. Um, but that that's obviously years in advance before a person goes to school. Um, another avenue would be concurrent enrollment or AP credit um, that the student is involved in while they're in high school. We have a number of students who are well on their way to a, an associate's or have earned an associate's by the time they graduate from high school. Those credit hours are much less expensive than, uh, you know, once they are in college. Um, there's tuition assistance programs through employers. 
uh, either the individual or, in some cases, the parents. Um, the parents' company may have um, some benefits that, that are associated with that. Military, um, they have some some great programs, uh, college payment or uh, college uh, benefits uh, associated with their military service. And then obviously scholarships um, and uh, also applying for, for financial aid and seeing if, if a person is eligible for grants. Uh, you know, we, we talk about tuition costs, but Utah is a relatively low uh, tuition cost uh, state. Um, for example, our school, a resident student, uh, if they qualify for full Pell, it, it pays all of their tuition. Um, if they're attending full-time. So so there are some avenues out there, um, but but it's a strategy, and um, and it starts early. John Curl is the Director of Financial Aid and Scholarships at Utah Valley University. Uh, John, when you're sitting down with with kids and you're discussing how much uh, they need to be prepared for from year to year, can you come up with a number? Is there a number that you you tell them to be prepared for? Yeah, and I, I think you guys had referenced this that there's uh, cost of attendance figures that each school is required to publish. Um, there's there's uh, certainly costs that are kind of hard, like the tuition ones, where they're kind of set based on the credit hours that you take. Um, those are the things that you have to count on that the, that you're going to that you're going to have to um, come up with the funding for. Uh, some of the other expenses, those can fluctuate based on what choices a student makes. Obviously, if a student chooses to live at home rather than uh, in the dorms, that's a cost that can save them a lot of money. John, I want to get a little deeper into the arena of Pell Grants. Sure. Uh, so... I remember when my I, I think my do, my my youngest uh, all the students had to apply I can't remember it was in high school maybe it was part of a a program or one of the classes they took and right. they were ineligible because of the income that you know they're, they're, right. they're okay so is there a strategy with that for example you step away from being claimed by your parents for a couple of <laughs> years and then you could become eligible for Pell Grants I don't want to game the system on live radio <laughs> but I've always wondered that I thought well Katie if you just move out and gonna survive on your own maybe you could qualify right. for all this money I'm <laughs> rich my kids are poor so <laughs> is there but is there a way if they're gonna pay for it on their own anyway so if their parents right. are listening, like my kids, I'm just they can pay for uh, college on their own. But is there a strategy we can help them with, from getting out from under their parents on their you know on the tax returns and getting out on their own, and then being able to qualify for Pell grants? Or am I just completely um, sounding like a criminal right now? <laughs> Not a criminal, okay. but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it used to be years ago. Um, that, you know, as long as your parents didn't claim you, then you could be independent. That changed uh, a, quite a few years ago where uh, now it's, there's an age factor. If they get married, um, you know, if they are no longer in a bachelor's degree but have moved on to a, to a, a graduate program, then they're kind of um, independent of their parents. 
And so uh, they, they have to be at least 24 uh, before they go off of their parents' income. And so I, I think the federal government's point was, um, it, you know, it's number one, it's the, the student's responsibility for their education, and number two, the family. Um, and, then, yeah. and then looking down the road that makes, from there. That makes sense. Okay. I, I hadn't heard that. You said married? That that plays a role it, into it? Yeah. Yeah. If a, if a student gets married, uh, then they're, they can become independent of their parents' income. Even if they're under 24, obviously. Correct. Okay. Well, John, you're, you're a fountain of knowledge. We appreciate you joining us. John Curl, the Director of Financial Aid and scholarships at UVU. I like the option of finding an employer who will help subsidize or reimburse for a college degree. Debbie, I, I love that idea. I was absolutely shocked, and it was one of the reasons my son decided to work where he does. It was uh, at a, a, a plasma donation facility, and one of the things they told him, he was just going to go part-time. He was just going to work hmm. part-time. And they said, well, if you go full-time, and full-time was 30 hours, oh. 32 hours. It wasn't a full 40 full-time hours. full-time light. Yeah, exactly. If it's full-time light. They said if you if you work full-time, then you will qualify for tuition assistance, which was somewhere around $5,000 wow. per year. Well, really? Like, Dude, that is incredible. Well, and you see Jump on that. UVU. And the average tuition there, I looked that up, is about sixty two hundred a year. So he gets real close. Yes, yeah, it's a game changer, right? I, I mean, it. if you have to come up with a thousand dollars in tuition versus a six thousand sixty five hundred, that that can be a total game changer. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.